Welcome to Don't Stand on the Footrest. I'm your host, Derek Lynch, and today I'm here with Dino Caracciolo of Crown Shaving Co. and Persons of Interest. Dino and I go over all sorts of stuff from business strategies, how we started Crown Shaving Co. and Persons of Interest, and his time in the barbering industry. Enjoy. Give me a little bit of a background on just you. Like, how did you start in the industry? Um, it seems like from what little I do know, your sister is like a, helps you with formulating and your brother owns a salon. And it seems like you may have owned a salon or a barbershop in the past, kind of from day one. What's, yeah. How did it all go Sure. Down? Yeah. No. Uh, well, I'm basically born into this business. My, uh, I'll give you the, the, the short story. My, my dad came here as an immigrant. Uh, his cousin came prior to him. So his cousin goes by the name of uh, Joseph, Joseph Rumbaka. He was an Italian immigrant, barber in Italy, came over here, uh, decided to start bringing all his cousins over, uh, ended up being the first salon franchise in Canada that got started back in the mid-60s. Nice. So all throughout uh, our province, especially Ontario, there were a ton of, ton of, uh, of his salons. Uh, basically, the whole family got into it. My mom's a hairdresser. My brothers are hairdressers. My sister is not, however, she's the only one out of it. But I, yeah, I, I followed in everyone's footsteps. I joined the family business as a young guy. I was working in, uh, in my dad's shop. Actually, I would bounce around between one of my dad's shops or an uncle's shop. It was like whoever needed an assistant that, that busy Saturday, that's where you would go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, by uh, 1986, I actually, 18 years old, I graduated our beauty and barbering program out here. And uh, jumped right in. I worked with a couple of different relatives, my dad being one of them. Uh, I didn't stay stay with my dad in the family business that long at that point. I was there a lot more when I was younger. Mm-hmm. But at that point, uh, barbering really changed out here, especially in the 80s. There wasn't really much happening in barbering. Yeah. Uh, my brother my brother at that time, who's a couple of years older than me, um, uh, purchased a salon. It was like an 18, 18 chair salon out in one of our major malls out here. So I decided to join him over there. Um, busy as hell great place to learn yeah uh, really great shop um again it wasn't barbering at that time it was it was more of a salon based business mm-hmm. um and yeah the whole family was in this business uh, as long as i can remember and i i was in there for quite a few years i uh unfortunately started to develop some allergic reaction to some of the chemicals that were in the salon back then mm-hmm. uh perm solutions uh some of the bleaches that were being used in the colors yeah I ended up taking a, a step back after about five years in the salon business and was doing more of the management side. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, I actually went on to the construction side of actually design and building the salons that we were franchising or that my godfather was franchising back then. So I basically stepped back from the chair many years ago, only to kind of uh, jump back in in about 2008. But I decided to jump back into the barbering aspect of it only. Mm-hmm. So I ended up with a small little barbershop up here where I, where I still am today uh, in the little village of Kleinberg, Ontario. And I realized then that uh, bar- barbering, like I said, was, was really dead over here. Uh, unlike the U.S. where you have barber colleges, you can actually go to school and become a barber. We don't have those here. Yeah, so I think my Like, do you have yeah, a well, barbering license versus cosmetology, or is it both? Or? So you, you can no longer get that here now. When I graduated in 86, part of the program was barbering. And part of the program was um, uh, hairstyling. So you would get out of there with a barbering license and, and a cosmetology license. Okay. Uh, I think in 90, in around 90, they actually changed that. And it's strictly salon only. So you can't get, uh, you, uh, you can't get a, bar- uh, sorry, cosmetology only. You can no longer get a barber's license uh, out here in Ontario. Huh. It doesn't exist. So anyone that wanted to become a barber really had to go through the whole fucking hairdressing 10-month course only to want to become a barber. And most of these guys would get out and they wouldn't become barbers then. they just fall right into, into hairdressing. Yeah. Is there any difference between that license? Like, can you, can you still shave with that cosmetology license? It's, you can because you have no option for any other license here. Yeah. So you well, yeah. can, yeah. Here it's right? weird. It's just like you can't shave with a cosmetology license. And that's one of the main differences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm curious how that works up there. It's strange. And over the years, since barbering has become popular again, uh, there are a lot of barber courses here available that are run like a cosmetology school. Yeah. But you don't, you don't graduate with a barber's license, which is 
it's weird. I don't know why they don't uh, put a little more emphasis on that and, and let you choose if you want a barber's license or a cosmetology license or both. But there's no option. Like there's just so many. I mean, now it seems like the, the barber scene in like the Toronto area is just booming. You know? Oh, it's huge. It's been huge for years. And that's yeah. why when I, when I got back into it back in 2008, to go back to that story, yeah, I stepped back in, um, started barbering, and I, I had made my focus pretty much shaving. Because in this little village where I had set up the shop, there was a lot of old school guys, and they were all asking for the shaves again, which for yeah. years, other than the neck shave, nobody was doing full face shaves around here. Yeah. So I saw there was a, a desire and a need for that. And I started taking clients just for shaves. I actually put down the put down the shears, put down the clippers. I was doing strictly shaves, nice. nothing else. That's cool. And that's and that's kind of what led me to coming up with Crown the product line. Yeah. At the time I was using Parasso, which is a great line or whatever I can get my hands on, but there wasn't really um a brand that spoke to me at that time in terms of, of branding, yeah. uh, storytelling, and more importantly, to be honest with you, I was still dealing with uh reactions to some of the chemicals. Yeah. Um, so I tried to come up with a a very basic shaving line, like a, a pre-shave, a shave cream, and aftershave lotion that was a bit more on the natural side that yeah. didn't have ingredients that were going to be harsh to me or to my customers. Yeah. Not to say it was I was going for 100% natural, which it wasn't even a thing at the time. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted something that was not as harsh as what was on the market at the time. Yeah. And that's that's pretty much how, how Crown got started. And that was around 2000, 2008, 2009. So did you have other barbers working with you at some point? Because I think I yes. saw photos of like a couple chairs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we, had, uh, we had a few barbers. Um, I had my last shop, uh, and I was, I was more focused at this point on the product line. Mm-hmm. I, actually, I actually stepped back from the chair and was focused just on, on the product line. Uh, but I did have about four or five barbers working. Uh, I decided to actually focus 100% on this and get out of the actual barbering about five years ago. It's been now. Yeah. For me, it was a, it was, and the reason being, I, I felt like I needed to give, to give this 100% of my time, 100% yeah. of my attention. I, I, I felt a little scattered trying to be in the shop, trying to manage guys, uh, trying to get the product line going. Um, my yeah. heart was more in the product line than it was in the shop. And I'll be honest, at that time with, with barbering out here in Toronto, um, you can find some good barbers and you can go through the training and you can pretty much give them everything they need. but as most young guys will do, they want to go out, and you know this, I'm sure. They want to go out, and they want to they want to open their own shop. Yeah. And this was and this was beginning to be a bit of a problem for me because I just didn't have the time or attention. Even with a manager in the shop, I didn't have the time or attention to focus on constantly trying to recruit new guys. Yeah. Um. Only only to give these guys everything they want to see them want to go out and open their own shop anyway. And yeah. I encourage that. I, I encourage these guys to do that, but. Me too. I think that's seriously one of the hardest parts of owning a barbershop, seriously, is yeah, of it's, course. it's kind of just constantly not worrying, it might be the wrong word, but a little bit worrying about the future and trying to see where are these guys going, where are they going to be in a year, two years, five years, 10 yeah. years, and yeah. what am I going to do for the longevity of this company? How am I going to find new guys? How am I going to keep them? And, and it's getting can, harder. You can, it's getting much harder. And yeah. You can, like you said, you can treat them, you can give them the world and be the best owner and the best manager, the best guy to them. And that's yeah. still not enough. You know, people are going to make not. Like decisions, they're going to move, they're going to do all of these things. It's the same way as a clientele coming and going, you know, it's. Absolutely. It's, yeah. So. Yeah. I, I think in this day and age, and, and that's something I learned back from the salon days. I mean, we, like I said, we had, we had 18 chairs going and uh, you would give them all the free education and everything they could they could need to advance their, their career, but eventually they're going to want to go open their own shop. It's just it's just a natural progression, and you can't blame them for it. But in my position, if I was still a barber, it would have been easy. I'm in the shop. I'm working every day. I'll recruit guys. We'll train. But my focus was on this, and at that point, I said, you know what? I think I think I'm done with the barber shop business. Yeah. And let me focus on where my heart really is and where my what really excites me. And at that time, it was a it was a product line. Yeah, I mean, you have to have 100% passion into it. and You have to, you have to. I, for, uh, for me personally, especially my personality, I, I, really, I really dive deep when I'm doing something. And for me, it was one or the other. Well, you can tell when somebody puts their true heart and soul into it, or it's more kind of a money thing, especially with smaller boutique brands as they grow. And I mean, that's always been one of the big reasons why I've loved everything you've done. Talk about like all of the things that you do, because from what I know, you do everything from 
formulations to packing to bottling to <laughs> I mean like you literally do yeah, all of it it's, and it's so cool to me because it's it really seems like it's all you and it's from start to finish yeah, well I appreciate that first of all thank you so much for that but yeah it is uh well it's not me on my own anymore uh I pretty much do I wear all the hats I definitely do yep. but in terms of uh formulation now I'll come up with a with a basic formulation anytime we're working on a new product but I do have a team I have a lead chemist I have uh, a co-packer manufacturing facility that I've been working with for years now so when it's small batch stuff I'll do it right here in the studio uh-huh. uh but for the most part Again, a new product, when we're working on something, I'll work it out here. Then I'll go sit with the chemist and we'll take it from there. She'll refine it and then it'll be produced. I wouldn't say mass produced because we're still a small batch. Yeah. And it'll be produced over there. But yeah, I'm very hands-on with that. I'm very hands-on with uh, the packing of pretty much every order goes by the desk in here. I'm in here and people will say, why Why the fuck are you? Like, what, why are you doing that? Why aren't you just hiring people to do that shit? And the truth is, I, I enjoy being hands-on. I mean, it's yeah. a personal, I, I feel this personal connection and relationship with all the shops I sell to and all the retail partners I have. And it's not that many. And people will say, how come you're not bigger? Or what are you going to do to grow bigger? Uh, when I started the brand, it was never with an exit strategy, let's say like a lot of these current brands have. Yeah. People set up a brand now and they're talking about angel investors and raising money just so there's some exit at, you know, a hundred million with L'Oreal. Yeah. Um, uh, that's that doesn't interest me at least not yet it might yeah. at some point down the road totally right now i'm just having too much fun right now with this so i'm not looking ever to try and get busier or bigger it really is just kind of so many years later it still kind of is a word of mouth people would say oh i saw your stuff in this shop or that shop and, and as you know um if someone close by to a current retail partner wants to jump on board i kind of i don't hand it out to everybody or at least i try not to which is something I, I, that like i mean from a business perspective seems insane but it from it, it well it from, is well yeah from it you is. know an owner's perspective it is something that's just not a lot of brands will go to bat for you like that not a lot of brands will see yeah. that i mean rosemont's always been super boutique um yeah until you know and then when we opened provisions and things expanded a bit we brought on aveda and we kind of needed that one yeah. big brand that everybody knows. Sure. But for the first, you know, couple of years, we were definitely super boutique with everything. And it's 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 nice to well, a couple of things. One, it's nice to be able to tell clients like, hey, we're the only ones in, in you know Denver or Colorado or shit. Yeah. In some cases, it was the only ones in North America. I mean, we were bringing stuff from Europe. We were bringing stuff from sure. Australia at one point. Yeah, we were like yeah. brand ambassadors for some of these companies. It was, and clients when they're in a boutique space love all aspects of that right and if you're bringing of course brands and what you're doing you're building amazing relationships with owners which then trickles down to the barbers and stylists because now it's like you've become a friend and a name within the shop whereas even our own clients know your first name at this point because that's amazing we have people come in and they, you know they're small persons of interest and all that and they're like where i've never heard of this line where is this from and you know our buddy dino makes it out of you know well, we always tell him Toronto. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. Um, right, right back. You know, Toronto, and you know, he um, is the guy behind Crown Shaving Co. And da da da. And the, all of our barbers feel like they almost know you at some point because of all of the really respectful things you've helped do to help build our just whatever you can within Rosemont. I mean, shit, you were selling Crown to me um, to carry when I was just like renting a chair at the last shop uh, before That's Rosemont right, opened. Yeah. And I mean, That's right. I remember we had so many shipping problems and things getting broken and it was just like yeah. you were always there and it was you were you always supported it always helped me out yeah. uh, took care of everything and it was there's not it's, a lot of brands that do that but yeah well look m most brands aren't hands-on like that and that's exactly. that's where they kind of lose that connection but first of all your place is gorgeous what you've done with yeah. rosemont and and the provisions and that extra space you have there is beautiful you've got amazing brands that's like a dream shop whenever yeah. i talk to young guys that are looking at opening up a shop I always point them to, to Rosemont. I say, oh, take a on. look at, at the vibe. I do. I say, take a look at this shop, what it looks like. Look at that vibe. It's got everything that a customer would want. They walk in. It's a great barbershop. Looks like an amazing experience. An amazing selection of brands, which is important. I have a lot. I still have shops that say to me, oh, no, we only want to carry Crown. We just carry Crown. And I say, well, as an owner, uh, that's just fucking stupid because yeah. 
you need to make money and you need to have different price points and you need exactly. to have different brands that resonate with different customers. So exactly. you, you should have a $5 shave cream and a $50 shave cream if, yep. you, if you got the room for it, but you should never lock in on just one brand. Exactly. Just, as an owner, it's not going to make sense for you. That's something that I try to casually and, and politely tell other owners too. When they're the, because you know how barbershop owners they don't really focus on retail the way salons do, right? They don't. And you have they a don't. salon background. I had a salon background. I know the importance of retail, not only for just sheer sales, um, yeah. especially if you're a stylist that gets product commission or any sort of uh, bump or bonus from it. It helps a ton, but more so how much it helps build trust in clientele it helps build a loyal trusting clientele and yeah, yeah. it's it's something that like, I, like you said a lot or i just said the barbershops don't really focus on that and it's a huge missing piece of revenue oh, it's, and just it's and massive brand growth and but you said it's, about the tiers it i think if you have too many it's not good if you have just one or two it's not good for me the, the golden number is three and yeah. you don't want them too separate from one another but you're going to have those clients that want an entry-level product. Maybe they're a college student. Money that's a bit tight. This haircut for them is yeah. like kind of a splurge. And then you have sure. guys that want the medium because they don't want to feel like they're getting the, the most inexpensive, but they don't want to do the most expensive. And then, of that's course, right. you have the people that want the most expensive thing in the shop. Both yep, from absolutely. whoever, the who has the most expensive haircut and who has the most expensive product or the most expensive brand in the shop. You you need those yeah, tiers. It's, and, it's, it's, a, it's a no-brainer. And I, I still can't believe how many shops I mean, I have friends that have shops that don't carry my line. They don't really carry anything. And and I say to them, they're going to leave your chair and they're going to go to the local shopper's drug mart, which is a big store we have around here. And they're going to buy their shaving cream or their shampoo or their pomade. And it's like you're, you're leaving money on the table by not giving them at least an option to yeah. purchase something from you. So it doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me at all. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it's good to have a selection. And And back to what we were saying about me being kind of I try to control the distribution and, and I try to work with shops and, and keep a little separation. Um, and I've been able to do that for so many years, but it's obviously it's getting harder to do that. Uh, at some point, we're going to explore distribution. Again, not mass distribution. That's not what I want to do. I'm at a point now where um, I want to try and make it convenient for some of my customers, especially in the US that are already purchasing Crown. Mm -hmm. There are some distribution companies out there that are carrying a few brands. And some of those brands, some of my customers are also already stocking. So they're having to buy that product from that U.S. distributor. Then they're having to make a separate order with me, uh, pay that extra shipping to get it from Canada to U.S. So I, I'm currently looking at exploring, you know, possibilities of, of doing some distribution. But again, they would be, uh, I would call it more small boutique distribution yeah. uh, companies, not, not the big beauty supply stores. No. That's not something I'll ever do. I've, I've had the opportunity to go that route. And I've stayed away from that. Just doesn't make sense for my brand. Yeah. Well, I think you're in a great space too. You have this opportunity to latch on to two companies that you can grow with, right? Yeah. You, yeah. You're not doing this mass thing. So when these owners come to you and they're like, hey, I'm interested in carrying crown or a person of interest, you can kind of, you know, throw them some samples, do your thing, chat them up, see if there's any other shops that are already carrying you in that area, whatever. Yeah. But yeah it gives you this almost interview process where you can be like, Hey, I want to grow with this brand and sure. the brands, if, if they're idiots, they wouldn't want to, but if they're smart owners, they would want to grow with somebody like you doing what you're doing. Growth together is always going to, it's going to benefit both parties, obviously. And you just want to, you want to help one another. These, these are all relationships in this industry. Sure. And if I see you growing, I want that to benefit me. And if, I'm growing, it needs to benefit you. So why not team yeah. up and do these things? And that's why I love how exclusive you are with the brands. Cause it, to me, it just, it, it says, Hey, I want to build a relationship with you. I want to be here long-term. I will listen to concerns. I'll take care of you. And in return, of course, we're going to give that back. And that's something that this whole, this whole industry is built on relationships, but that's I see right. with that's product right. lines, there's, there's sometimes, I don't know, this, this disconnect between them and the shops and the shops and them. And I just really respect how you do, how you do everything. Cause it's, it's not a Thank lot you. of, Thanks. you might be the only one that does it quite to the level that you do. And it's admire, I Thank admire you. it. And I think it's, it's just so cool. I, I appreciate that. And um, you know, I, I try my best to do that, but I, I do realize that there's some, I'm very fortunate to have a lot of the customers that I have and to have them continue to come back. Sometimes just having a good product line and a mutual respect isn't enough because the market is so saturated and yeah. you expect guys to latch on to new, new product lines. 
if it appeals to them. So it's really hard to keep that customer. And I've lost a lot of customers over the years, but fortunately, most most of them end up coming back. Yeah. I don't know if it's because of the connection we had or they like the product or in many cases, I know for a fact it's their customers go in and they find out that product is no longer there. Well, they're going to find it somewhere else. Yeah. So if you're already, if you're as a shop owner, if you're making money moving a product and you discontinue that product just for the sake of making room for another one, there's a good chance you're going to leave money on the table because those particular clients are going to still find that product. I mean, we're guys, we're creatures of habit. Once we find a hair product, a deodorant, whatever it is, once we find something that works for us, we're not switching up. Yeah. Right. We're going to stick with that product. What what I don't offer, which most brands do is, and I'm sure you know, this is, we don't do the uh, grooming or beauty company where they offer the education. We don't have someone going out there in the shops. And that's getting to be a little bit tricky because there are a lot of great barbers out there that have created their own brands that are offering that now. Yeah. Um, and that that's something from day one, I just felt like maybe it was from being in the salon all those years and always going through that education that it felt very repetitive to me. Mm-hmm. On certain products, it felt like okay, this is straightforward enough that I think I could work my way around it. But I, I totally get the idea of, as a shop owner, wanting the education and they're wanting to get the crew excited, learning some new techniques, hearing it from a different voice. So at some point down the road, we may introduce some type of, uh, of program where we're doing education. If it's not video, I might get uh, uh, you know an ambassador program going where we do that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. It's it's never been my priority. I always wanted to make sure that the, the product kind of spoke for itself. And it was simple enough that you really didn't require that education. That education part is a bonus, but it wasn't something that... I've never had a situation where shop goes, oh, well, you're not going to come and show us how to use paste or pomade. Well, we're not going to carry it. So I've been, <laughs> I've been fortunate that way, but... Well, would you do like education say, with I, the shave products? Because I think... That's one of the, Farzad's the only one that I can think that does like widespread or not even widespread, but just like any hands-on or in-person yeah. shaving education. Um, yeah. And it's one of those things that like, obviously you guys have a great relationship and team up on stuff. Yes, but we do. To me, yeah, I think, doing I think like, that's a, what's missing. Yeah. Yeah. If we can get, you know, we try to do as many shaves as possible. We try to make our shave service the best in the city. And, you know, there's, it's a, like a lot of other little things. It's those little details and those little differences in service that m- separate you from the next shave, right? A shave is just simply removing hair, but there's so much more to it. I mean, haircutting is just removing hair, but there is that's a true. lot of nuance to it. So that's something that I think, I, I mean, dude, we even know barbershops, and I won't name names, <laughs> that don't do shaves. It's blah, 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 barbershop or barber this or barber that. Like there's barber in the name, but they don't do shaves. And I just think it's ludicrous that why would you not want to fill up as much time with as not as many different services, but like the two cores, haircutting, obviously beard stuff and shaving. Like it's a barber shop. But why don't they do the shaves? Why aren't they offering shaves? Are they not offering shaves because they don't have the education and the staff that can provide a shave? Or is it like over here where you get some shops that don't see the value in it because they don't think a customer will pay 45 bucks for a hot shave, which they will. I think a lot of those, um, you know, I'm, I'm referring to more of the barbershops that do have licensed barbers, but especially okay. the chains and stuff. I mean, they, they hire mostly cosmetologists and a couple barbers, but um, so, you know, they're only licensed. So many people there are only licensed to shave or not shave. Yeah. But I think it's a, a lack of education and comfortability. I think these days we don't get enough of them to feel really adequate at them. You know, if you get one shave a month, when you get that shave, you get a bit nervous. Like, shit, I haven't done this sure. in a month. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I, just, yeah. I think there's a lack of education. It's like you watch Farzad and it's, it is insane. It looks fake. I mean, yeah, it looks like he's putting like hair melting cream on him. It just comes yeah, off so exactly. easy. And part of that yeah, effortless shout outs to you is part of the, part of that's the product. You know, it does sure. make a huge difference. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty unbelievable that, he makes it look so simple and so easy. And he does a pass in what, four or five minutes. It's insane. Yeah, it's, so it is insane. I, I wish I had that kind of a talent. I don't. Uh, and I'm actually surprised that he doesn't take more advantage of the fact that he, look, he can go to any shop in yeah. any country uh, and, and charge good money for, for a class, a shaving class, and he'll be booked up all the time. But I think Farzad's a lot like me in the sense that we're kind of, we're both comfortable. Mm-hmm. where we're at and we're not looking to do that like i tell people I, i'd be i'd give the worst head talk i'd be the worst at 
inspiring people to do business. Because when people ask me, I always say, I set, <laughs> I set the bar low, <laughs> you know? I didn't set the bar high at all because I just, I want to work. I want to enjoy what I do. And I want to be home for dinner every night. Yeah. And that's that's what it comes down to. So I think Farzad is comfortable in his little two-chair shop. Otherwise, yeah, this, this guy could be a superstar. Anybody would pay to have him over. I mean, he already uh, is a but superstar. I mean, the, he is. I don't, he's got yeah. almost 100,000 followers on Instagram. And he's just, I've never met him in person, but he seems like I haven't either. a delight. I haven't either yet. Yeah, yeah. He seems he seems great. Him and Shelly got a, a really good thing going over there. I'm hoping to see him maybe this summer because his wife, Shelly, her family is actually out here in Oshawa, which is about an hour and a half away from me. Oh, nice. So I'm, I'm hoping maybe we can find some time to hook up this year. That'd be great. But uh, yeah, that you're right, though. That whole um, education thing in terms of the shave. Yeah, guys get uncomfortable. If they're not doing shaves, they're not comfortable with it. And if they're not comfortable with it, the owner or the manager is not going to promote that they do shaves. It's not going to be something that they really put out there. I think part of it might be they... the time management too. I mean, you know, you look at Farzan. I, I, I remember asking him and I, I remember uh, asking Brian Hurston of Night Owl how many shaves they get. Yeah. And I remember Farzan telling me it's like 50% shaves, 50% haircuts on an average day. And I was just blown away by that. And then when he said he does a shave, his haircuts are half an hour and his shaves are half an hour. Yeah. You know, you watch him do a shave and you're like, okay, well, that makes sense. It never looks like he's rushing, but he's just so talented that it, you know, he does these passes what seem like fast, but when you watch them, they look so slow and calm. Sure. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of barbers are like, shit, it takes me an hour, hour and 15 to shave because I'll get stuck on one spot yeah. or this or that. So again, That's it comes back to education and yeah. the more you do them, I mean, can you imagine cutting hair for 10 years? But if you do one haircut a day, you're still going to suck at cutting yeah. hair after 10 years. You know, like yeah. you need that experience. Yeah, you need that repetition. That repetition is what's going to help you build your confidence and your technique. I mean, fortunately for me, when I went to, again, it was beauty and barbering at the time, we were doing free head shaves. We had the Harry Krishna group in front of our uh, barbering school every day. So every day we had 10, 15 bald heads lined up ready to shave. So that's where, you know, that's where you get comfortable. If you're not doing it often enough, you're never going to get that confidence. But you're right. There's definitely something there. Somebody, uh, Maybe it'll be Crown, maybe it'll be somebody else, but I mean, somebody should be out there offering that kind of hands-on education for sure. Yeah, I think just, like I said, most people, well, I can do a haircut in half an hour or 45 minutes, but it's gonna take me this long to shave, so I make more money per minute doing the well, know, that's, haircuts. And it doesn't that's have exactly to be what case, it is. you know? But it, yeah. Again, I mean, shit, I can't shave in 45 minutes. Like, if I did it, if I did three shaves a day and mixed it in that many, I'd probably yeah. over the course of a few years get comfortable and maybe I get them down to half an hour or 45 minutes. But um, well, we have, I, I've seen some of the price lists on the barbershops out here. They're charging more for the shaves than they are for the haircut. Like, yeah, haircut is 45, 50 bucks in some of the higher end barbershops and um, a shave is like 60 bucks. Yeah, that's where ours are at. But then part of me was like, okay, well, then how can we make it worth the money <laughs> and worth, you know, that time that it's spent on? If it's going to take us longer, we need to charge more, right, for us how do we make that shave a bit better? So now ours is like, you know, we do a facial mask and we do all these other things. It's kind of more of like a masculine facial, if you will. And we try to implement all these other little value added services to it to help the customer justify that little bit of price increase that doesn't take us much more time, but gives us the time to do a good shave. And so it's just like, you just have to work it out. It's yeah, no, you're right. It's you're you're basically offering a, a man a spa experience, exactly. and there's nothing, and and that's what you want them to believe. Yeah. You don't want them to think it's just a shave because then they're going to expect a 20 minute sit down in the chair yeah. and a 10 dollar shave. Yeah. You want them to expect uh, a spa experience, and if you're going to put out 50, 60 bucks, you're going to be lying here for an hour, maybe a little longer, but this is your time to zone out. Now, every guy that gets a haircut is not going to get a shave, yeah. But there are a lot of guys out there that want that spa experience if you're offering it to them. Yeah, you, you got to right. give them something they can't do at home, you know, and that's right. If some guys just hacking, whacking with, you know, five blade Gillette, you got to yeah. give them something that's, you know, and I think a, from a clientele perspective, it's kind of, we try to tell people, look, it's facial hair removal. Yes, you can do that at home, but it's all of the value added service that comes with it. It's all of the service, the environment, this, this spa like service the way that you feel mentally, emotionally, even physically when you leave the shop, that's what you're paying for. Not necessarily us just taking hair off the face. Yeah, that's yeah. part of it. But how do you feel when you leave after getting a shave at the shop versus shaving at home? 
shaving at home, you That's do it really right. quick and, you know, then you know, you're out of the, you know, out of the bathroom, but it's at the shop, it, you're leaving, man, you should be floating. You know, you should be feeling great, confident. It's, yeah. That's what it's an experience. For. It's an experience. You're selling an experience. Look, guys can't cut their own hair. So they're coming to the shop for that. Yeah. They can do their own shave. So unless you're going to sell them an experience, um, then why would they spend more money? Exactly. You, you have to let them believe they're getting something that they can't get at home. You can't exactly. get that at home. Not the way we're going to offer it. But yeah, I mean, uh, doing the shaves is, is, is big business and it's something uh maybe I'll put my wife out on the road eventually and, and she could be the, uh, doing the education on the shave. She's a lot more prettier than I am. <laughs> she's got experience. My wife's also a hairdresser. So she's been in the business for 30 plus years as well. What is your, cause I remember, does your sister help formulate or is she, she's in health and wellness, right? Or something. She's in health and wellness. Yeah. She's a holistic nutritionist. Okay. Uh, actually we're, I'm, I'm helping her formulate right now her own line. Oh, cool. Her own skincare line. Yeah. Yeah. That's so in fun. terms of my business, yeah, my sister's not involved in my business. My brothers, my parents have never been involved yeah. in Crown. It's just uh, my wife and I and uh, my two kids help out where they can. They're, they're both uh, doing their own thing right now. My son is 23. My daughter's 25. Uh, and at some point, my son has showed some interest in wanting to kind of jump in here. Yeah. But um, he's only out of college two years now, three years. So I told him, you know, you get out there. Yeah. figure shit out. He's working uh, in the financial business right now. Uh, I said, when you can bring me some value, that's when you want him to come back. <laughs> if you think you're going to come back and pack boxes and listen to Drake all day, I said, no fucking way. No fucking way. I said, I could fucking do that. So figure out how you can bring some value to Crown and yeah. then the door is open. Right? Awesome. So yeah, so it's very, really a small family business. So it started, it sounds like, you know, 2008, started off with just shaving stuff. How did you kind of come up with the name and the branding behind it and kind of just like the overall ethos? You're, there's, there's a space for this, obviously, in the market. Yeah. I'm going to help yep. you know, create something new. How did you figure out what and where and how, you know? Yeah, I, I think I was just, I was looking at all kinds of different companies and how they do their branding. One of them being at the time, West Coast uh, Choppers, for example. Yeah. Um, I was, I'm really into bikes. Uh, back then, I was really into the hot rods as well. I had a 53 Chevy, the kind of group of guys that were, were in my circle. We were all into that. And I wanted to come up with a brand that a guy could look at and just kind of feel that it looks cool, number one. And number two, that it looked like it had been around for a long time. Yeah. So it had kind of a vintage uh, feel to it. And, and, I knew I had succeeded at that when I had a guy come in one day. I mean, I think I had the brand for about a year at that point. And he was sitting in my chair and he was looking at the products that I had on the shelf. And he's like, oh, man, I remember my grandfather when I was a kid. I used to see that in his bathroom all the time. Awesome. And I said, I don't, I don't think so because that's only a year old. But that's exactly what I was after. So, yeah. so the, whole, the whole plan with the branding was to try and make it kind of feel classic, slightly vintage, uh, yet elevated. Uh, I didn't want it to look like just a, any cheap old brand. I wanted it to, to stand out on the shelf. And at that time, there wasn't anybody really doing the black and the silver. Um, yeah. And I was also looking at at the time, it was, I think the only barber brand other than a Parasso was um, probably Donnie Hollywood. It was probably Learight. Yeah. And I kind of looked at what he was doing and, and, and the recognition he was getting and the, the distribution he was getting and he was only doing pomade. So I kind of, looked at that model and said, well, why can't I kind of do this just for the shaving line? Yeah. Nobody was doing that. And we kind of had the same audience. He was a barber trying to appeal to barbers. I was a barber trying to appeal to barbers. So that was basically uh, the branding side of it. And then in terms of the product side of it, it was just a matter of trying to make something uh, really good. And it's not better than what was already available on the market at the time. And in terms of distribution, I, I didn't have a plan. Um, I made the brand for myself to use in the shop. Yeah. It wasn't until customers were asking if they can actually buy it that I started to say, okay, well, we'll make it and we'll just kind of keep it in the shop over here. And then stores or other barbers or salons were finding out about it and it just kind of snowballed. Like I said, I could never do a TED talk because there was no real business plan. <laughs> it was just kind of, I made it and it just kind of gradually 
uh, took off. So how long did it take for, mm-hmm. like how many iterations did you go through of, for instance, like the shave cream or the aftershave tonic, trying to yeah, get it to being pretty perfect? I think, I think about, I mean, I had it already available, but we did probably over the course of two years, probably 10 revisions where we tweaked it and kept changing it. And when you're small, you can do that. And I'm still, I consider us still to be small. I still say I can pivot. Like a big brand can't really make changes. I feel like if I need to change something and I need to pivot, uh, I can do that successfully where it's a lot harder to do that with a big brand. But yeah, back then we, there were, there were quite a few revisions and the plan was only to stick with the shaving cream, shaving line, pre-shave, shaving cream, aftershave, a tonic. Yeah. I never, never wanted to, again, speaking of Laywright, I, I saw that market. I came from a, a hair, hairstylist background and I saw how saturated that market was. Yeah. Hair products was, so it was something I never had interest in doing until customers and store owners would say, you know, dude, if you can make a clay or a pomade, guys are buying your stuff just because they say it looks fucking cool. Yeah. So if you can make a clay or pomade, we'll sell it. Yeah, and I really, I really never thought I was going to go down uh, and, and start introducing hair products. I thought it would be more just shaving stuff, some skincare. But yeah, we've got into the shampoos, we've got into the hair products, uh, body washes, and I'm still surprised to this day how well the hair products do for us. Our clay and our paste and our pomade outsell everything else now. There are three awesome products. I think the pomade might be seriously the best water-based pomade. Thank you. Ever yeah, there's used and. I can't talk. I there's, there's, there's a, thanks. I appreciate that. There's so much, like there's a lot of great brands out there and there's a lot of great barbers now doing their own brands. Well, I shouldn't say a lot because there's a lot of guys that tried mm-hmm. and just flopped. And again, it goes back to the reason why I, I left barbering to focus on this. I know barbers that have tried to do their own lines, but it's kind of like, if you're not going to give it the attention it deserves, yeah, people are going to see right through that and they're not going to, exactly. it's just going to look, it's just going to look cheap. Yeah. It's just going to look, and I, I still have barbers to this day telling me, oh, we want our own line. Can you make us a line? And I'd be like, no, but I'll, I'll direct you to some of these private label companies if that's yeah. something you want to do. But I tell them, I say, look, if you think that your customers coming in there right now that are buying Crown or Layright or whatever are going to stop buying those because you slap a label on a jar, it's not quite that easy. It really isn't. They look at you as a barber. If you want to be taken seriously as a brand, you literally have to separate yourself from that. That's yeah. the that's the way I see it. Do you still have a couple operating chairs in there or you haven't? I don't. Yeah. I don't. You know it's what? It's and, and it's a it's a shame because I've I've run out of space and I got a, a storage space just underneath. There's a, like a parking garage underneath my unit. And I got a storage space in there with the most beautiful chairs and old cash registers yeah. and vintage and vintage benches and all kinds of stuff. And it was literally like one by one. It's like, okay, let me move this. I need the space. And now I look around this place and there's like nothing in here. I got an old, like some antlers up there and an old barber jacket. And that's pretty much it. I just don't have the space, but I'm not really getting rid of that stuff. Cause I'm hoping uh, eventually I'll move into something larger and I can uh, make a little bit of a barber museum in there. That'd be awesome. kind of the inspiration behind persons of interest and getting that going you know and from a business perspective why did you rebrand and start a new name behind the company and like for me i can tell it's your product but it's also it's not crown it's 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 very much its own thing what got you into kind of wanting to explore more in fragrance and you're putting out so many so many scents that are so dialed into it's crazy to me it's to me it seems like it takes so long to come up with like you know, a perfect scent and formula. And here you are just in the couple-ish, right? Years that it's been around. It's- yeah, it's about two, about two years, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, well, it's not as hard as, as people think, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a French perfumer that's sitting there for years trying to get the perfect, the perfect fragrance. But um, yeah, the way that started was, I, I love fragrance. I've always loved fragrance. And the Crown uh, Tonic was, was and has always been like a huge hit. Every barbershop knows yep. that. It's a bay rum scent, but it's not a bay rum scent. It's got those notes of licorice. So it was doing so well as a tonic that we had people asking, can you make this as a cologne? So we yeah. went one one above and we made an eau de parfum. Yeah. And it's a $120 bottle. It's four ounces. Might sound crazy to put in a barbershop, but it does really well. It does. Um, yeah. It does really well for us. And the shops that carry it and have that customer base do really well with it. 
so I, I was contemplating adding more fragrance to the crown line and I still am, but two years ago when I was thinking about it, it was like, I, I had this thing of, uh, there were certain stores that I wanted to get into with crown that were just not, they didn't see crown as a good fit. And I, I kind of took it personally because there were stores that, that I felt crown should be in. Yeah, uh, you know they were carrying lines like Baxter of California, yeah, uh, and certain other brands that I felt were similar to Crown. Yeah. So for me, it was like I I kind of just had this thought one day, like I'm gonna do a fragrance line because I love fragrance and the fragrances I had in mind to put under Crown, I'm gonna try something separate. And I don't want really I don't want people to know it's me in the beginning. Yeah. And I want to try and hit up those same stores that kept saying no to me over and over again, yeah. and, and see if they bite and. I did that and sure enough they did like yeah. they were like they wanted to know more about the brand they were placing orders and initially they didn't know it was crown still yeah. they didn't know it was me so for me it was more of a personal let me see and it was a, it was a learning about business too because now i realized it wasn't that they didn't like crown or didn't think crown was a good brand or a good product certain owners certain shop owners certain retail owners or managers or whatever are looking for a certain look of a brand that will that will appeal to their their audience yeah. and maybe 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 crown didn't fit their audience so it yeah. wasn't so much that they didn't like it it's just they know what's going to sell yeah and that didn't work for them but persons on the other hand which was more of a a luxury item had a totally different look than crown they they seemed to know that their audience would would resonate with that yeah so i just kind of ran with it uh, again, just like Crown, I didn't put any plan in place. There's no exit strategy. I'm not trying to sell it. I wasn't trying to make a shitload of money doing it. I most of everything I do, I do just for fucking fun. Really, yeah. I do. I make shit that I like. I won't make stuff that I won't like, just for the sake of making it. I make shit that I like. I make shit that I know I want to use, and I like to make stuff that looks cool. Yeah. And for me, persons of interest, I like the name. I like the look of it. Um, I like the whole vibe of it. And yeah, I just started to get into uh, some stores that I, I, I was trying to get into earlier with Crown. And then there were stores coming after me that I had no intention of getting into. Like I, I always wanted to avoid big box retail. Yeah. And, and I still do for the most part. But I had this, uh, we have a huge, well, I guess, what would you compare to it in the States? Out here, it's called Holt Renfrew. I guess it's like, um, you have sacks like a luxury yeah, department I mean, store? like Nordstrom and Neiman Marcus. Like, Nordstrom, are you talking Nordstrom. like big department okay. store fragrance? Yeah, you got it. Yeah, you nailed it. Nordstrom, Nordstrom. So it's like, we have Nordstrom here as well now, but uh, Holt Renfrew was the Nordstrom for many, many years. So it's a beautiful, big luxury department store. Yeah. I think we've got about 10, 10 or 12 of them throughout Canada now. Well, they, I don't know how one of their buyers found out, but they reached out to me yeah. and they sent me an email and they were interested in my um, hand sanitizer during the pandemic, of course. Yeah, yeah. They saw they came across we had these beautiful glass bottles of sanitizer and they wanted to put an order in for the sanitizer and the and the fragrance but at the time i was having some supply chain issues with the fragrance bottles so i said to them i'm not interested in going down a road where i commit to to something that i can't deliver i said but i'm good with the with the uh, hand sanitizer so yeah they, they they put in an order they sent me all a, a manual about four inches thick a uh, vendor agreement and again back to wanting to stay away from big box they got so much shit in that agreement that you yeah. you need a fucking lawyer oh yeah and 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 it always it always the way it is they will never lose yeah. like, they will never lose you will always lose you'll lose you could lose a lot of money yep. if shit doesn't sell they want to bring it back or you have to sign and say if shit doesn't sell they get to put it at like you know 80 discounted yeah uh, so I looked at all that and I, I called the buyer back and um, I said, thanks, but no, thanks, not interested. <laughs> and yeah. she said, you're not, you're not interested. She goes, what do you mean you're not interested? We're reaching out. She goes, nobody ever reaches out to little brands to bring them on. I said, I, I just, you just said, I said, I'm a little brand. I can't take a chance with all this crap you're putting in here. Uh, she said, well, what do you want to remove? So I said, remove that, 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 and that. She said, done. They put in an order, no clauses in there. Wow. And uh, yeah, and and it kind of took off. So we're still in that department store, still with the sanitizer only. And uh, to be honest, I don't think I even want, I don't want to give them the fragrance, even though I can supply it now. Yeah. I just think it's, it's scary. Going in big box retail is scary. I prefer, especially for persons of interest, to kind of stay very boutique-y right now, very specialized in where it goes. 
I mean, I have over 250 barbershops that I can I can sell them persons of interest, and I don't. Well, I remember uh, when I think we when we got it. I mean, yeah. you were even way more exclusive with persons of interest than you were with Crown, and it was yeah, um, yeah. you know, and thank you for letting us be one of, if not the first shop in the U.S. with persons of interest. Yeah. But it was one of, of those, course. which was crazy because then fragrance became our number one category. Believe it or not. So yeah, yeah, yeah. From I a believe business it. Perspective from us, it you know, and it's, you know, it is a, it's a higher price ticket than, you know, pomades yeah. and clays and hair products, sure. shampoo, conditioner, whatever. But uh, yeah, it, it really boomed for us. Um, yeah. And then, well, I think, I, I think you have, you have that environment. Again, you, you set up a beautiful space. And the reason I don't sell to every barbershop that I currently sell crown to is it's just, I don't think it's going to fit. I mean, I, I look at what they price their services at yeah. and what other brands they have on the shelf. And if you don't have some higher end brands on the shelf, I know you're going to want to carry it for the cool factor, but I also know you're going to probably sell it to your buddies for wholesale. Yeah. And that's what a lot of these guys were doing. Yeah. So there's really, there's really only a handful. When I say handful, I mean handful, maybe four barbershops that yeah. are currently carrying it. And I don't consider them an average barbershop. Like I put guys like your shop, you and uh, Johnny over in uh, Utah, yeah. City Barbers. I yep, mean, exactly. you guys carry a selection of products that like most guys won't be able to find in their local store. Mm -hmm. So um, I thought it was a perfect fit for persons of interest. Well, and it, people I think also love it. One, just because of the sheer quality of it and the branding, but um, because it's so exclusive, you know, it's, yeah. I don't, I don't, want to talk shit on Lolabo because I mean I love them but so do I everyone is buying Santal and it's like it's kind of yeah. even my girlfriend wears it <laughs> and I, I it's an amazing I love it. but it's kind of like I think a lot of people are feeling like it's kind of played out people that want to kind of stand out a little bit without yeah. like without being obnoxious about standing out you know um, yeah, yeah. and that's when we when we get people in that whether there are clientele or just random customers coming in shopping at provisions and they go through the line and, you know, before we had provisions, we'd carry maybe three because we want to overwhelm people. Now I think we carry, I think seven, six or seven of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and see, you know, we've seen what's worked well. We've, I think overall, we've probably carried almost every one you've ever come out with, maybe not one or mm -hmm. two, but um, I, we've pretty much had every scent at least once in the shop to see kind of what sure. people are really digging. Um, and it's something truly unique. People come in and, you know, they love the names, by the way, which I'd love to ask you about that and how you come up with the names sure. of them. But, um, it's, sure. you know, I mean, Sex and Cigarettes is like one of those people look at the name and they giggle and then they smell it and they're like, oh, shit. Like, it smells like Sex and Cigarettes, but in like <laughs> the best way possible. But, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's just the names kind of resonate this idea and then they, they you know, they experience them and they it's something that they don't, they don't smell like everything else out there. They're unique. It's like yeah. you walk into a room and you're not gonna, it's like, you can just kind of tell when people are wearing generic shit and it's so yeah. boutique yeah. and people love that. I think for our customer base, that's probably the biggest allure to it is people know when they get the Rosemont one that you've made for us, that, yeah. that they feel one, like they're supporting us. They're supporting that's you right. as a small boutique fragrance maker. And no, they get so many compliments when wearing it, and they know that that person complimenting them probably won't ever get it. And there's sure. a, a very like not elitist attitude in a bad way, but there's that kind of like I don't know unique sense of self where like I this is mine, you know, and people yeah. just love that. Yeah, yeah, fragrance is very it's a very personal thing. Like yeah. I, I'll get emails from people saying I love your brand. What can you recommend? And I'm like I, I can't recommend the fragrance. I don't know you. Um, and it's so personal. Even sometimes there's, um, you know, I'll get a guy walking and you're a girl walking and you're saying, oh, I should buy this for my friend or my boyfriend. Which one do you think he would like? And I'm like, I couldn't tell you. It's like fragrance is tough. So back, back to the names and coming up with the names for the fragrance, I felt like, especially during the pandemic, it's very hard to sell fragrance blind to someone. Like most people want to go in a department store and smell it and spray some on and see how it works with their skin. So I felt like unless I come up with some really cool fucking names that are going to kind of, first of all, fragrance evokes memory. It gives you that whole feeling when you smell something of, of the past or something like that, you know, it reminds me of your, 
your granddad or reminds you of a place and time. So I kind of felt like that was great. That's what fragrance does. But unless I have a name that's going to kind of catch their attention right off the bat, it's not going to, it's not going to move easily offline. Yeah. I mean, unless people can come in and physically touch it, it's going to be hard to sell. And I have so many people that order and they email me or DM me on Instagram going, I never buy fragrance without smelling it, but I'm only buying it because it's called sex and cigarettes, right? Mm. Or I'm only buying it because it's called Havana Conference. And it reminds me of, you know, Havana and a cigar. So the names really uh, were by choice. I sat there, I thought about it, and I tried to come up with names that would just pique someone's interest. Yeah. Some of the names have nothing to do with the fragrance. Like Beyond the Pines is my biggest seller right now. And, um, And there's no pine in there. Yeah. But, but people go, oh, I can smell the pines. Well, there's no pine <laughs> beyond the pines. But one of those ones, I just couldn't come up with a name for that fragrance. And I was sitting there watching um, Place Place Beyond the Pines. Yeah. You know the movie with Ryan? Uh, I, I, don't, I haven't seen it, but I know of it. Yeah. Love the movie. I love the whole bank robbery, dirt bike thing. And I said, that's it. That's, that's the name for that one, yeah. Beyond the Pines. But there's no pine in there whatsoever. Yeah. That one is very Santal. That one is very Santal. So... Maybe your girlfriend might like that one. When we do get people coming in that you can tell either you smell it on them or they mention that they wear it, um, that's usually the first one I send them to because I'm like, this is yeah. kind of a more unique, it's reminiscent of Santal, but it's yeah. not, yeah. it is, it if lives in its like, own space. And all of them are very gender neutral. I mean, kind of what you were saying before about people trying to shop for a friend or a significant other or a family member. It is so difficult because for me, I thought Tabac Noir would not, be that popular in the barbershop space um yeah just because to me it has this like i don't know if sweet smelling is 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 the right or wrong way of describing it but yeah it's a little sweeter a little sweeter yeah but i mean we've sold out of it so many times and guys love it so it is very personal and we have a lot of women that come in as customers um you know we have you know we have some women clientele as well but obviously heavily majority men but we do get a lot of customers off the street that come in you wouldn't immediately think that they would go to the things that are darker in the bottle, like Havana conference and sex and cigarettes. And yet they do. And there hasn't been, if, you know, we did a study or a survey, there isn't one that you can almost split by gender or by any sort of category. It's, it is just so personal. It's been really cool to see that and kind of how people react to certain things. I think if you tell people uh, this fragrance is for men or this fragrance is for women, they automatically, exactly. You know, that, that's that's the mistake people make. And to address what you had asked earlier about why did I do fragrance, why is POI separate from Crown, as I missed on that part, is um, I wanted something that was gender neutral. Yeah. I didn't want this. I, this The plan for persons of interest was not to be a men's fragrance line. Yeah. It was to be a fragrance line for everybody. Um, and uh, it is gender neutral. It is sense for everybody. Are there some that I thought would be geared more towards men and vice versa, more towards women? Absolutely. But I'm shocked that I thought sex and cigarettes was a heavy, heavier scent that more men would be into. I can't believe how many women love that. Yeah. And and two wolves. Two wolves is a lighter, it's it's sweeter, it's a little more florally. I thought it would be mostly women that are are, you know, interested in that type of scent. But I got a lot of men that wear that as well. And we, and I love that. I I, I think like we said, scent is so personal. Like if it, if it smells good on you and if you like it, then that's your scent. Exactly. Right? We have so many couples that buy the same one or I'll have a client yeah. buy Havana conference. Like my wife loves wearing it too. And yeah. you, know, you, see that that too. you see that with a lot of the Labo fragrances yeah. and you know, there's, yeah. I mean, they're all unisex and it's. Yeah. yeah. And the way I, uh, again, back to, we said, uh, how hard is it to make fragrance? Yeah. It's hard. If you're a perfumer, and you're trying to come off with some crazy original. Yeah. Um, it, it could take years to get it get it right. I I basically have taken a shortcut. Whereas I know what I like. I smell stuff. I play around with certain fragrance oils. I do some mixing in here to get a base of what I like. And again, I have a, a lead chemist, and I work with an amazing fragrance house. And I'll kind of say, I like this scent, but I don't want to be a dude. I don't want it to smell like that scent, but can we take those notes yep. and let's play around with it and let's add some of this in there and add some of that in there. And we go back and forth and that's really how we're coming up with a lot of these fragrances. It's not like me sitting here for days and days and six months later, still trying to get that. Per- I'm not a perfumer. Yeah. Um, I just know, I know what I like. And 
and coming up with them that way for me is easier. Like I said, I have my, my, my chemist and I have a fantastic fragrance house that uh, helps me get it done. I've made all these connections through the years with Crown. So uh, I figured why not use them? So right now we're at, we're at 10 fragrances right now. Um, I could, realistically, I could probably have around 20. Yeah. Uh, there's so many more fragrances that I like, that I love that we're working on, but I'm, I'm kind of just slowing it down for now. We're going to be introducing some other products under persons. We're doing a, a hand wash coming soon. Nice. That should be available in about a month or so. Uh, we'll probably get into body as well. We'll probably do some body uh, lotions, body oils. Nice. So we'll see. In terms of the fragrance itself, though, we're going to stop at, we're going to hold that 10 just for now, for a little yeah. while longer. Yeah. We might do some uh, some limited release, some drops here and there, but in, in terms of adding it to the full line, uh, for now, we're going to stick with 10. Yeah. Please just never get rid of the incense cones because our clients are obsessed. No. Yeah, that's <laughs> another thing. I, I, I'm actually surprised of, of how well those are doing. I mean, it was one of those things I like. I liked it better than incense sticks. I just like yeah. the cone. Yeah. Um, Again, I released that and I did not expect the the overwhelming response. Everyone seems to love those, which is great. But yeah, those aren't going anywhere. We're always Good. out of stock. I'm always I'm actually mixing some more up today. Nice. Yeah, they've been a huge hit for us. And I mean, we burn them in the yeah, shop and then we sell a couple tins, no problem. It's yeah. people that's, love that's them. That's the key. As long and as I, you're I love that the people. packaging, you know, I know it's probably been frustrating for you, but I love that the packaging has had to change a bit here and there because of supply issues. But it's kind of yeah. fun because like this most recent one with the matte black and it's like every every time we get an order of persons of interest, there seems to be something a little <laughs> bit of an upgrade with either the sprayer top or yeah. just the box yeah. or the presentation. And it's like it it's been so cool to watch it get a little you, better man. every time. And yeah, you know, the product within the bottles is great and consistent. And then it's all right, how can we push the branding just a little better this next round? Just, a little, yeah. and you know, some just, of it- just, en just enough not to piss you guys off when you open it, right? Because <laughs> a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't like changes, but you have to pivot. Fortunately for us, every time there's an issue with packaging and we make that change, the change has been for the better. Like yeah. I, I had to switch to those gold caps, uh, sorry, the gold sprayers on the fragrance bottles. And now my customers are saying, please don't go back to the, to the black sprayer, keep the gold sprayer. Yeah. So- but we are planning. Um, we are planning to switch out that bottle potentially for a more of a tinted look, which was the original look I wanted from day mm -hmm. one. But just couldn't get my hands on it, and it'll probably go to a fifty mil over the thirty mil because that's one complaint we have. People want it bigger, but they don't want too big either. One hundred and twenty mil. Sometimes people get tired of fragrance, and one hundred and twenty mil will last too long. I remember when I asked about the sizing of them originally. Yeah, made a great point. You're like, well. The point of personal of interest is that, you know, you're going to wear different things depending on your mood or the day or the activity. And that's what we tell a lot of people. And we have people that buy two or three different uh, scents yep. because, yep. you know, to me, Supernova has this kind of more, like not young in a, in a bad way, but it kind of, it's more like going out, maybe going to a club. It has this kind of, to me at least, it kind of speaks of that. Whereas... You know, if I had like an important business meeting, I might wear, I don't know, off the top of my head, I don't know, Rosemont blend or yeah. something. Yeah, a but little more, little more formal. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's for, there's different things for different for different times, and if you're doing a 120 mil bottle, someone's gonna want to buy one bottle. But for me, right. it's like if you do smaller bottles, which was the point originally, which I didn't even think about. I was like, oh my god, what a brilliant idea. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I probably just stole all of your words for you, but <laughs> no, no, talk about no, the sizing of the bottles and the strategy behind behind yeah, that. You're right. You're right. That that was the whole plan. Um, and again, I, uh, this this change to going to the 50 mil, I just think it's big enough that uh, people will still buy more than one bottle, mm -hmm. uh, but they'll feel like they're getting some value because if they really love that fragrance, it's going to last them a little bit longer, and they'll also feel more like okay, some guys will only spray it on a Saturday night for some yeah. ladies. It's my Saturday, but if it's a little bigger, they'll spray a bit more. Yep. And, and they'll, they'll still go through it just as fast, I believe. Yeah, I'm always, I'm always trying to gather feedback from, from guys like you. You know, when we had uh, clients notice maybe the cap or the inside something, um, when they do notice those changes, I'm like, oh. That's right. Like, yeah. Oh, did he change the packaging? I'm like, no, he's having supply issues, just getting, you know, like the packaging quality is the same. It's just sometimes this color runs out or that, you know. Yeah. And I think... 
it humanizes you and the brand. And again, it just reinforces that this is so boutique. People, when they buy it, feel like they know you and that you made it for them. And it's, yeah. I'm sure it frustrates the hell out of you. You're like, this isn't sure. the presentation that I 100% want. And, or, uh, you know, you may not like it. You want this idea and you can't get it and you want to push it and do this and that. I understand from that perspective, like the frustrations, but honestly, selling your products to people, they seem to actually almost not only sympathize heavily with it, but like almost like it because it just, again, it humanizes you. And I think it's, yeah, it's never been a problem at all. And I think yeah. they get excited to see all the little iterations. Oh, the sprayer has been upgraded. Oh, this is, you know, it's like yeah. the things that I see as it, as it, as it grows and expands, they see too. And I can, I can think of like 10 clients off the top of my head that are so brand loyal and they buy two bottles every time they come in and they go through like crazy. It's amazing. Enough of it. And it's, it's just so cool. I don't know. I love it. I love the brand. You, I love man. what you're doing with it. I, it's been so wild to see how much it's grown in two years. Um, Thank you so much, man. Yeah. I feel very fortunate to, to have the opportunity uh, to be able to work with guys like you. That's for sure. Appreciate it. Crown, Crown would be nothing and persons of interest would be nothing if it wasn't for like the retail partners that we have and guys like you, like, you're doing amazing things out there. You have absolutely gorgeous space hopefully i'll get a chance to come out and see it one day oh please but yeah i mean I, I i build i build these products to be on the shelves of stores like yours so appreciate that that's 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 what i try to do i'm making time and uh big thank you for learning how to use zoom and <laughs> I, I'm, st I'm still so impressed that you made it this whole pandemic. I'm, I'm a 50, out. I'm a 52 year old Italian man. I'm still trying to learn how to use technology, man. but I got it. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah. We'll be in touch soon. And, uh, hopefully we'll get some new exciting stuff out your way soon as well. Awesome. Sounds good, man. Yeah.